Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer, TNA Hall of Famer, Bully Ray and I talk as we always do on a Thursday. AEW and NXT. AEW, we got to talk about another chapter in the story of MJF and Chris Jericho. And is MJF trying to squeeze in to the inner circle? Also, when it comes to AEW, we talk about the return of Cody and the big dog collar match between him and Brody Lee next week on AEW Dynamite. When it comes to NXT, we get into Kyle O'Reilly and Finn Balor, what's going to be your main event at NXT TakeOver 31 this upcoming Sunday. And then Bully gets into the safety, or lack thereof, of the Shachi Blackheart and Dakota Kai match from last night. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Let's get into the opening contest from NXT from last night, which was definitely a physical affair. And that's Shachi Blackheart and Dakota Kai. Dakota Kai has been excellent so far with NXT. And Shachi Blackheart is really becoming a star and going her, her own way here on NXT as well. And I thought it was a, a very good match. But once again, Bully, and it seems like it's almost a trend, unfortunately, on NXT. We talk about something that happened in the match uh, that looked, and I would think, is extremely dangerous. You saw that near the end of last night's match as well. Again, outside the ring, on the ring apron, Shotzi Blackheart fell right on the top of her head and it was a very scary moment from last night's episode of NXT. I thought the women had a good opening match. It was a great effort. Um both continue to improve, move forward. Obviously they're they're behind Shotzi and they're and they're giving her a little bit of a push. Uh, I like the gimmick. I like how what it's evolved into. Uh the whole tank thing, the helmet. She's you know you really can't tell what she is. She's some kind of I don't know, wacky I don't know what what, what would you? I know, no, like kind of, kind of like mm-hmm. you're right, kind of, kind of like a renegade punk rock rocker, yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. Like, yeah, yep, without a doubt. But I, I like everything they're doing with both ladies. However, that bump last night on the apron was unnecessary, uncalled for, uh, entirely too dangerous, and it's not just about that spot last night. I don't like anything. On the ring apron. No, nothing. I don't like choke slams on the ring apron. I don't like those buckle bomb back things on the ring apron. I definitely don't like what I saw last night on the ring apron. There's too much room for error. And one day, something is going to go wrong. It's the hardest part of the ring. And your back and spine just 
are not made for that area of the ring. I know it's been done for years, but I'm telling you, it's, I don't think it's worth the risk. That move could have very easily have been done inside the ring. You know, and it's something, no, it's it's something too, like, uh, again, why not have that in the ring? And that was like, that move, the the, the slice bread, that was like Brian Kendrick's finishing maneuver. Like, again, we're talking about a finishing maneuver. And in this case last night, it wasn't being used as a finishing maneuver or something that was going to be cause of the end of the match. It's outside the ring. So, like, you're doing something like that outside the ring so you, it's not it's not going to end the match and it didn't end the match because that match continued until we got interference and then Rhea Ripley came out and then you talk about and we hear it all the time that it's the hardest part of the ring it's a very dangerous area actually Tom Phillips and Beth Phoenix were talking just that as they went outside that ring and they were just fighting on the ring apron. Tom Phillips was saying, hey, this is a dangerous area. This is the hardest part of the ring. You got to be careful. And then they do a move like that. Now, again, like I know people are probably listening right now and say, well, somebody made a mistake. She fell on the top of her head. That should not have happened. But why even do that move on the ring apron to begin with when it's not going to be, again, the finish of a match? Nobody made a mistake. What mistake was there? They executed that move as well as they possibly could with both of their levels of athletic ability. And and Shotzi got dumped on her head. That could end, that particular move could end up really, really bad. And I'm surprised whatever producer helped them with that match did not listen to that and go, eh, you might want to reconsider. You might want to do that move in the ring. You could do it, just do it in the ring as opposed to outside because they come in too close to bad things happening. And this is not me being overprotective or, you know, being one of those veterans who go and, oh, these damn kids today. Nope, not saying that. I'm trying to protect them from themselves. And that's what a good agent or producer should do. You want to do it? Okay, let's figure out the safest way to do it. Because that was not safe last night. And it's up to, um, uh, it's Dakota Kai she was in there yes. with, right? It's yep. up to Dakota Kai to not dump Shotzi so far back. It's up to Dakota Kai to hold on to her as tight as possible so she can flat back her. You don't have much area to work with. You got to make sure that you're putting her in the exact spot you need her to be as opposed to that over-rotation that we saw happen to Shotzi. And now both women roll out of the ring and because the move looks so dangerous and because it looked like Shotzi really got hurt, what did the referee have to do? He had a check on. He had a check on them both. He has to forget about doing his job, and he has to check on them both. Now, coming out of the ring and checking on them both, it, it, in my opinion, should be like, "Are you okay? Yes. Are you okay? Yes." Then the ref should get back in the ring and start counting. He stayed out there for for the whole time. I thought he was going to administer CPR. I thought he was going to put a put somebody in a tourniquet and a leg brace. 
to the point, bully. I thought like I thought Shotzi Blackheart was was seriously injured because he checked on Dakota Kai really really quick, and then he moved on to Shotzi, and he stayed on Shotzi for a while, and it actually looked like he was communicating. You know, I, again, I'm just watching it on TV. It sounded like he was communicating with somebody. So I, I at first I was like, oh my of god, that actually made me stand up because I thought something seriously happened to Shotzi Blackheart, and you could see like in her face. You talked about we talked a few weeks ago about Matt Hardy, I, you kind of saw that same kind of dazed look on Shotzi Blackheart's face last night on NXT as well. And then, you know, this is why I think they should have a ringside doctor to check on athletes that fall, uh, you know, take a bad bump. Because that would make it more credible and more believable. Mm-hmm. Here comes a ringside doctor. The ringside doctor asks him, are you okay? Are you okay? Then he gives the high sign to the referee, and now the referee can start counting. When the referee has to go to the floor for that long, and let's go back to the match that brought us together, Dave. Okada Omega won. Yep. How long was Red Shoes on the floor for? Forever. An eternity. Yep. Why? That's not your job. That's a that's the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match in the Tokyo Dome. One of the most prestigious matches you could possibly be in. And the referee's on the floor for like three and a half minutes, as opposed to counting to 20. Why? Because you're buying guys time? No, your job is not. I know this is a performance and I know this is an art form, but you have to buy them time within the confines of still doing your job. And this is where smart working comes into play. Not just saying, oh, we're going to do this spot to the outside. Ref, just come check on us for a while. No, now the ref's not doing their job. And I hate it. I despise it when the refs are not doing their job. And like last night, you could have done all those things because you got a non-finish anyway. You know, I mean, like no, you know, there was can, a finish to that match. Oh, that's right. There was the roll-up in the win. <laughs> oh, a roll-up. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I mean, it's ridiculous to say, but you're right. It was a roll-up for a win, and then like, and then Rhea Ripley came out because there was the interference. But like, you could easily have had that be a double count out, and then you could have had some shenanigans happen once that match was over. Because you're right, it's ridiculous. You talk about a non-memorable finish. You had a roll-up for a finish last night. I mean, to me, it's a little bit more dramatic if you had the count out to end that match last night. And it's to me, it's a better setup for a future matchup between the two. And I, and I think to myself, if I was the agent or the producer working with those two ladies and they were talking about their match and they said that they wanted to do this, I would pump the brakes right there. I would remind them of how dangerous it is, remind them of how things can go wrong, and then strongly suggest that they take that same move and do it in the ring or maybe do something different. Because anything to that apron, even when, remember when, Dar- didn't Darby Allen do the coffin drop to the ring apron? Yes. I don't want to see that done. There is too much room for bad things to happen. And if you're going to do that, do it on the biggest show. If you're going to take the ultimate risk, take the ultimate risk on ultimate shows, big, big shows. Last night, I don't think people realize how close Shotzi Blackheart came to a real bad injury, if not the worst injury of them all. 
Wow. And I, I'm not I'm not being I'm not overreacting. I'm not being overly whatever the word is. What am I looking for here? Over- no, I mean effective. you're not being overly cautious. You're like you're, you're telling it like it is. You're telling it like it is. If you're gonna do a, something like that, you have to make sure that nobody's gonna get hurt. And thank God nobody got hurt last night. But I would seriously reconsider. And the WWE, who is so particular about injuries, like I would rather take a chair shot to the head. Then take that move last night. Hit me over the head a hundred times. Overtaking that once. And for no reason. And for no reason, Bully. Like like you just said, like, you know, battling outside of the ring apron where, you know, the margin of error... You know, and then you have the safety concerns, and then it's it's an opening contest on on a weekly show where it doesn't even become the finish or have anything to do with the finish. Why 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 take chances, though, bully? Why Dave, take a opening, chance? Opening match has nothing to do with it. Whether you're first, third, fifth, last, you're no, but of a weekly show. All I'm saying is like it's not a mate. We're not talking WrestleMania or a takeover here. They could have done that move in the middle of the ring. Stay down for a nine count both got to their feet here comes the distraction from Rhea Ripley and then all of a sudden here comes the finish you would have gotten the same mileage out of it with about 99.9% less uh, chance of anybody getting hurt if Shotzi Blackheart's body would have went a little bit more to the left she would have went head first straight into the floor if she would have over-rotated just a little bit more, the first thing that would have touched that ring apron would have been the back of her head, and the, her neck would have taken the brunt of it. She took the brunt of it on the side of her neck and her shoulder. The idea is to land in a flat back. No matter what bump you take, you always want to bump flush and clean on your back or on your stomach. We have back bumps. And we have front bumps. Even high German suplexes, you're meant to land high across your shoulders and should be executed in the middle of the ring because the middle of the ring is the softest area. <laughs> with, with softest being the, 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 the wrong word because no ring is soft. But yeah, the apron stuff, I'm just not a fan of it. I would ne- I, I would strongly suggest wrestlers to be extremely more cautious when doing stuff like that. I can hear people right now. You like people. You've lit people on fire. Doing a flaming table spot is about 100 times more safe than taking that bump. Hey, everybody. This is Fran Freshella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovich buys it in to make it. Somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid have stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. That's it down with Shawn Michaels as the moderator with Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly. That was the first time outside the ring that Kyle O'Reilly really shined on NXT and I think showed a different dimension to his character as well. 
and what has been my concern since day one with Undisputed Era going their, their separate ways. Was that the only real true guy that has shined during this whole period has been Adam Cole. So last night we got to see a different side of Kyle O'Reilly. We saw a good sit down. I really enjoyed it. I was completely immersed in the segment. Like to get me that good is a big deal. I found myself hanging on each guy's word. Like what's this guy going to say next? And how is he saying it? I will say this. A tiny, tiny, tiny bit stiff for me. I would have liked to have seen the guys a little bit looser. They were just a little bit looser and matter-of-factly in what they were saying. I think it would have came across even better. But phenomenal job by both guys. Like the fact that Sean laid out as long as he did. Look at what Sean did for Kyle O'Reilly when he says, I think this could this guy's the sleeper. This guy could be the best guy in all of WWE. Boom. The minute Shawn Michaels says that, you're like, what? And that was my problem with the veterans not putting anybody over on Monday night. Because an endorsement like that from Shawn Michaels means the world. Love the sit down. Love the back and forth. You even got a little comedy from Kyle O'Reilly when he made fun of Finn Balor and his accent. You got a nice little, you know... Uh, uh, smorgasbord, if I will, of what Kyle O'Reilly can do with his character and his personality. Really, really liked it. It was serious, and you know you're going to get a great match from both of these guys. Yeah, and I love what you said about Shawn Michaels. Unlike what we saw on Monday Night Raw, Shawn Michaels in just a few words and phrases got uh, Kyle O'Reilly over to the moon because it's Shawn Michaels. The other thing, too, and this is something that you get a big dose of whenever Shawn Michaels shows up on Monday Night Raw, is usually he's goofy. You are not getting the goofy Shawn Michaels last night on NXT. He was serious. He took his role very serious. It wasn't about him. Like you said, Bully, he laid out, man. This, he, you know, he did not make it about him. And that's what he usually does when it comes to Monday Night Raw. And I love the fact that the little humor that you did get came from Kyle O'Reilly. I even like the way that Kyle O'Reilly was sitting when he was talking to Finn Balor. Like he was kind of laid back, you know, and 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 it, it was just a good back and forth to the point. Bully, I got to be honest with you. I want to see Kyle O'Reilly win. On Sunday, because it's good. Listen, no no disrespect to Finn. Finn's a great wrestler, but Finn Balor really doesn't fit into the story that I want to be told on NXT right now. Because like, like Izzy said, it's about the undisputed era. So imagine Adam Cole, who's been the champion, the longest reigning champion in the history of NXT. And to me, it was the greatest NXT champion of all time. Imagine now that somebody else holds that title and they belong in the same group. That's a wonderful story. Finn Balor really doesn't fit in right now. I want to see Kyle O'Reilly. I want to see him as NXT champion on Sunday. I don't know if I don't know if Finn Balor fits into NXT anymore. Mm. I think Finn Balor would be much better mm-hmm. suited for the main roster. I'd put I'd put uh, I'd put the Demon on SmackDown. The Demon is cut out for SmackDown. Cut out for everybody to see on Fox. That's my opinion. Like a, a Bray Wyatt, a Bray Wyatt, uh, Finn Balor feud where it ends up where Finn Balor becomes the fiend. Um, 
you can go that route or you can go absolutely something demon, like that. I said I, the fiend, the demon, the Bray Wyatt correct. fiend and, and, and obviously Finn Balor, uh, the demon. I think it might be time. Now, I don't know the situation. I don't know why Finn was on NXT or if they just needed a boost and Finn was the right guy for it or if, they, or if he told, you know, the office, like, I, this is where I want to be. This is where I can be, you know, be most effective and help the company the most. Not sure, but I'd love to see him back up on, on the main roster. And obviously, I think what I want to see is, much like you, if Kyle O'Reilly, especially when he dropped that line in last night, like, hey, nobody loses on their first title defense. Nice little seed to plant last night. Um, I think I want O'Reilly and Cole. Not not that I think. I know I want O'Reilly yep. and Cole. And, you know, and I want to see uh, Fish and uh, Strong. Strong have to choose sides. And I, I, I want to see, you know, uh, Undisputed Era kind of implode from this. And think of the matches that we're going to get from O'Reilly and Cole, if that's the direction they're going to go in. Especially when you look at that faction right now, you know, with the roster as small as it is on NXT, do you really need a faction? And all four of those workers are fantastic. They, you probably need right now with NXT, you probably them working as individuals more than you need them as a team. Without a doubt, you don't. You need those individuals. You need this. You need star power. Yes, that's that's what you you know. You were talking about how AEW has star power. They need star power on NXT. Hey everyone, this is former NFL linebacker and current SiriusXM NFL radio host Kirk Morrison, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Total Coverage. Each week, I'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. Whether we're breaking down player techniques, game plans, or coaching philosophies, we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Speaking of cool, Bully, we all know Chris Jericho is, you know, the term cool fits him perfectly. Inner Circle is definitely the faction that for most of the time of AEW Dynamite's first year has ruled over that show. And then lately, especially the last month, one of the things that I've enjoyed a lot is just the short little interactions between MJF and Chris Jericho. And we got another one last night. Big win. MJF comes to the back to congratulate the inner circle. He brings gifts, brings jackets for all the members of the inner circle, except for Sammy Guevara. Interesting. Also, there's the whole thing where like Chris Jericho is thinking, wow, does MJF want to be part of the inner circle? And then MJF's thinking, is Chris Jericho going to invite me to be a member of the inner circle? It's it's genius in a lot of ways, because last week when I saw the interaction between MJF and Chris Jericho and I actually tweeted, I'm like, man, this is they're planting the seed for a feud between these two down the road. And I am so excited for it. After last night, they planted more than a seed that, hey, maybe this is MJF's way into the inner circle, which I'm excited about as well. And where does this lead Sammy Guevara? I, this is a great old school way to build the story. And we're definitely at the beginnings of something big bully. I'm enjoying all of it as, and, and the foundation of the entire story is Jericho and MJF, two guys that are, you know, it's old school and new school, both of them uh, phenomenal on the microphone. 
great tone, great inflection, great facials, uh, great promos, the whole nine yards, and just watching them be so snide to one another. You know they're each just waiting to stab each other in the back. And the whole the whole part of, are you asking me to be in the inner circle? Well, are you saying you want to be in the inner circle? Well, are you asking me? What are you saying? It's so pro wrestling, and it goes back to getting a job with a wrestling company. If the wrestling company calls you, that means they really want you and your price goes up. If you call the wrestling company, that means you really want to wrestle for them and your price goes down. So both of them are trying to leverage each other because, hey, Chris, if you're asking me to be in the inner circle, man, you know, I'm going to need some things from you because you obviously need me. And then Chris is like, well, if you're asking to be in the inner circle, MJF, you're going to have to prove yourself. So I don't know if people really get that, but that's what I'm getting from it. Just understanding how the business works. And I'm enjoying the interaction between the two and the rest of the group also. You know, Bully, we've used this term a lot in pro wrestling of passing the torch. Um, there's 25 years difference between MJF and Chris Jericho. That's a lot of life experience. That's a lot of pro wrestling experience. You know, when you think of those 25 years, when you look at those two, that's a true passing of the torch. And it's crazy because Chris Jericho to me seems a lot younger than his age. And MJF to me seems a lot older than his age it's it's a it's a really cool dynamic but the way chris jericho comes across you wouldn't look at this as a man that's a that's pushing 50 and then when you look at mjf he certainly doesn't seem like a man or a wrestler that has just turned 24 and there is definitely chemistry between those two if there was anybody in the wrestling business right now who could live up to, work up to, superstar potential and a future, it's MJF. MJF has what it takes to be Cena-esque, Rock-esque. Wow. He's talented in the ring, right? Yes, he is. He's not like, he's not like phenomenal. He's good. But all you need to be, all you need to be is good in the ring when you're phenomenal on the stick. Look, just look at the history of pro wrestling. Now, some guys like Flair, who are phenomenal on the stick and phenomenal in the ring, different story. MJF is good. And you know how MJF is going to get better in the ring? Being with Chris Jericho. <laughs> Working with guys that are better than him. And I don't mean better physically. I don't mean better spot-wise. Better psychology-wise. Better storytelling-wise. And the sky is the limit for MJF. What MJF needs is for AEW to become as big as they possibly can, as quick as they possibly can. The bigger that company gets, the bigger of a star MJF can become. Think about this. Think about MJF in the WWE. If WWE were to just let MJF be MJF, how big of a superstar do you think he'd become? Huge. He would be probably one of the biggest superstars. He's the one guy from AEW that I think could become the biggest superstar in the WWE if he wasn't tampered with. Watch this. Remember when Jericho came over from WCW to the WWE? Yes. Was he tampered with? No. Not at all. 
He got to be the version of Chris Jericho that he wanted to be and that they saw him to be. And the sky was the limit. One of the few that they've ever been that they've ever done that with. Correct. And I think MJF and listen, I'm not comparing, but I'm just saying the feeling. It would be like a Roddy Piper situation. Like, you know, like if they let, if MJF was in the WWE, no strings attached, here's the microphone, go do whatever you want. It would be like Piper going from the NWA to the WWF in the mid 80s. Think about that. You know, Piper was great, you know, and he was a great talker. He was great in interviews. And he was a good wrestler. Was it a great wrestler? Was it a great technical wrestler? Piper was good in the ring. Vince McMahon realized that. I mean, I don't even think in the beginning, I don't think Vince McMahon was even interested in putting Piper in the ring to wrestle. What moves did Roddy Piper do? Not much. Sleeper hold. (laughs) What else? A a punch, (laughs) a clothesline, a kick. A sleeper hold. I don't think I remember seeing Roddy do any other moves. He didn't need to. Didn't need to. And again, like I, I Vince McMahon, if people remember when Piper debuted in the WWF, he was Paul Orndorff's manager. And then he did Piper's pit and then he, he got so big and outshined everybody, you know, they, and knowing that he, he was good in the ring, they made the right decision and put him in the ring. And he had some of the greatest feuds ever in the WWF, but MJF is of that ilk. But the unfortunate thing is there is no way, no way that they would ever let MJF even be the MJF that you see on AEW in their world. It would never, ever happen. And MJF, Bully saying MJF could be the biggest superstar, if not the biggest superstar in the WWE, if they let him be, he wouldn't even be close to being at the top of the card because they would put so many restrictions on him. He would never be able to be anything close to what he is with AEW. And if you don't think that they would put restrictions on him, I got two words for you. Broken Matt Hardy. Yep. Yep. Wasn't broken anymore. Now he was, what was he? Now is he woken? Woken. 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 They took something that was so off the charts and they completely watered it down and threw it away. Well, I mean, with with TNA that went that first of all, that took TNA too. like at that point, TNA was kind of like stuck in the mud. He helped a lot. of The videos went viral. It helped uh, impact to get to a little bit of a, a better stage than they were before. And it was all wrestling fans were talking about. Then he goes to the WWE and it's like it's a, it's a mid card and, and forget mid card. It was like. You know, they they just had Matt Hardy lose each and every week as Woken Matt Hardy. Like, they just never, ever expanded on something that was gold that was handed to him. Which, listen, uh, Vince McMahon built the WWF into a national product by taking things that were already working on the territories and just putting them on a national level and adding a little bit to make it even bigger. What, what they've been doing lately is they take stuff that's popular other places. And instead of like adding a little bit to it to make it bigger, they water it down. Me and Devon are a perfect example of what you just said. All they did was change our gear and they didn't even care what we were wearing. 
and they just let us run with it. Back then, that could happen. Not anymore. They would castrate MJF in a heartbeat. Yep. The bigger AEW gets, the bigger MJF would get. And if MJF, MJF could be the biggest star on the planet in the near future. What MJF needs is to hang and bang with guys like Jericho for a while and learn, 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 learn. Because when you're as young as MJF, you're basically like a rock star. You're young. Everybody's on the bandwagon. You're having a great time. You're partying. You're whooping it up. You're doing whatever, right? So, you know, what happens when, when rock stars get a taste of success a little too soon? It can go to their head, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, look at what happened to our good friend Dave Snape, Snake Sabo. My God, that guy's head exploded. <laughs> so what you want to do is you want to keep a guy like MJF grounded. And yep. I do believe he is grounded from what I from what I know, he's grounded and he wants to learn, but you got to keep feeding him that psychology, F- keep feeding him that psychology. And the bigger that company gets, the bigger he will. Hey, everyone, this is Kirk Morrison. This is Greg McElroy. And this is Nate Burleson. With the 2020 NFL season finally upon us, we're excited to announce three new NFL podcasts from SiriusXM. On Total Coverage, we'll explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. On Inside the Pocket, we will go under the helmet for all the quarterbacks in the NFL. And on 17 Weeks, Jamal Adams, Emmanuel Sanders, and Eric Ebron will discuss the latest NFL stories straight from the locker room. New episodes of all three podcasts will be available every week on the SiriusXM app and wherever you get your podcasts. What did you think last night about Cody and Brody? I loved it. I'm I'm completely into it. I completely into. And again, I'm Dave LaGreca, a 49 year old wrestling fan. You say dog collar match to me. I am. I'm, I'm giddy. You're panting. Um, I, I, <laughs> yes. Um, I'm I'm t- I'm into it. I'm into the return of Cody. Uh, I think w- we look at because of that attack on Cody. I look at Brody Lee completely different, and I love the fact that that match is taking place next week. That I'm very excited about as well. How long did it take Brody Lee to beat Cody Rhodes for the TNT Television Title? Oh, seconds. Not long at all. About three minutes, right? Yep. So why is Brody challenging Cody to the dog collar match and why the dog collar match? Well, I would think knowing Brody Lee and maybe even the Dark Order, you know, maybe there's something there's something planned for what we're going to see next week. And I, I would have to think that there is being that we're going to see it next week. So, I mean, I think it's the beginning of something even bigger. Now I understand what you're saying. Why is the champion making the challenge? It should and be the other way. Dog collar match. But I think it was I, I, for me, because I think with, especially with Cody Rhodes bully and you know, you think of his father, Dusty, and the old school NWA thinking, I'm sorry. It's not, I start thinking. What, what's the story of why? Why not a first blood match? Why not a sister, your sister's ass match? Why not a uh, dance on your head match? Why a dog collar match? That's what I mean. Where is the, what's the fit of the dog collar? He's got Brody's got something planned. There's something planned here. He wants to be able to keep I, him close. He wants to keep him constrained. There's some there's those reasons why he called for this match to happen. I wish they would have planned this out a little better 
And after Brody destroyed Cody for the championship, he would have, one of his minions would have brought him a chain or a something, and they would have hung Cody with the dog collar. In which now Cody comes back and challenges Brody to the dog collar match. Now I get it. I don't understand why the champion who destroyed the challenger is now saying, oh, yeah, sure, I'll give you a rematch. And, oh, by the way, let's make it a dog collar match. Listen, I'm excited for the match because I know Cody is going to bleed gallons of blood and it's going to be good. But I just don't understand why. Did you think for a second watching that last night with Cody, did you think for a second that he was going to turn it down? Because I, for a second, they almost hooked me there because he, he talked about his role with AEW executive uh, vice president and with the brutality and the violence that's around this match. I thought it was going to, I thought he was going to turn it down. Like I can't, I, you know, as, as, as an executive with this company, I can't, I can't sanction a match like this, you know, and he's walking away and then he came back and, you know, obviously next week, no regrets, you know, I'm, 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 I'm doing this match. I thought they were going to leave a little bit of doubt to prolong it a little bit longer. Or did you no, know I, that they were going to go all in? I don't want to say I knew, but I could kind of tell by the by the verbiage and the way he walked out of the ring that he was probably going to turn around and come back. But even last night, I love the melee. I love the brawling. I love it when the brawling stops and then they go back to it. I would have loved to have seen it come to a complete end. Brody Lee get to the back. Calmer and cooler heads prevail in the ring. And then all of a sudden, Brody Lee come out swinging the chain a la Bruiser Brody, clearing everybody out of the ring and then putting it around Cody's neck and start to choke him out. I would have liked to have seen the dog collar last night to show me a sample of what I'm going to get next week. Because once Brody would have went to the back and got the, got the chain, now he can come back and clear everybody else out. Because other than Billy Gunn, who was holding Cody back, everybody, everybody else there was expendable. He could have been swinging that chain like a madman a la Bruiser Brody. Everybody jumps out of the ring, gets out of the way, and there's Cody all by himself. And now he takes the, takes the chain and he wraps it around her neck or he wraps it around his mouth or anything. And now we get a taste of the dog collar. Oh, my God, what's going to happen next week? That's just what I would have did. All I'm thinking about while that match was uh, being talked about last night is Tommy and I doing a top 10 list of the greatest dog collar matches of all time. Of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. To, I mean, you can't. I mean, the greatest dog collar match of all time is from, you know, Starcade, Greg Valentine, Roddy Piper. Everyone's going to know what the number one match is. Straight and why, did, why did they have that dog collar match? Well, because the, the pure hatred wanted to make sure they didn't leave the ring. Could have hated each other so much. You got to have that chain. But that's the same thing here. Was Cody and Brody really hate each other, man. Was there a story? As to what you just brought something up, wanted to make sure that the other guy couldn't run away from the other guy. That's a reason to hook guys up to a dog collar. I'm going to make sure that you can't get away. Same basis behind a steel cage. And that gimmick match been 
thrown in the shitter a long well, time. Yeah, let's throw, yeah, let's throw that out the door. But I find it interesting with the dog collar match. I'm glad the fact that in 2020 we're dissecting the reasons of using a dog collar in a match. But but bully seriously, like again, this is why I think it might be the right decision that it's it's Brody Lee throwing this out and Cody has to accept. Cody is so incensed right now. He's so angry. He's humiliated, embarrassed by the loss that happened and that he had to be out of, out of commission for a while. So Brody Lee's got a plan here. Something big is going to happen next week. He called for this match knowing that Cody is going to accept it because Cody would accept any kind of match. That's why I think it's interesting that it is the heel throwing this match out and not the face wanting this. That's the story you're telling me that you just came up with. They didn't tell me that story. Well, that's why AEW should hire me. If Maybe if I wasn't banned, maybe I could do a little bit more for him. But I'm banned. You get my, I can't even, go, get my can't even go to Daly's place. If that's, the, if that's the mindset of Brody Lee, then tell me that story on TV. So now I'm like, oh, that's why Brody but he can't. wants to. He can't smarten up Cody. That He's got Cody to the point where Cody would accept anything. Once Cody accepted last night, they could have did something in the back with Brody saying, why? Why did you give him the rematch? Why a dog collar match? And then they could have laid out all the reasonings that you just gave. All I know is that we're getting a dog collar match next week just so we can advertise a dog collar match and so guys can bleed and wrap chains around each other. I like that it's going to be a dog collar match. I get it. It's on free TV. Yay. Happy, happy, joy, joy. But why? Why? Nobody's been running away from each other. Nobody wrapped a dog collar around somebody else's neck, and now the baby face wants revenge. There's got to be rhyme and reason to it. And I wish there was rhyme and reason to it. That's all. That's my story. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.